Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Hi there. I'm Yvonne Moonkun, TMA's Quality Practice Management Consultant and regular contributor to TMA Practice Well podcast. I have spent the entirety of my adult life in healthcare as a registered nurse, counselor, and now a quality consultant with TMA. I am passionate about facilitating a healthy Texas by supporting the physicians who live and serve the communities throughout our amazing state. I hope you find inspiration and guidance in this episode. Hello and welcome. I am here today to talk with you about preparing interviews, learning how to sell yourself. So we're going to go ahead and get started. So in your job search preparation, there are some things that you want to think about ahead of time. Um, You want to determine what it is you want, not just what you need. Um, You're going to be looking at uh, the location. Um, and that could be uh, the location within a certain city. It could mean a location within the country. You know, is there a certain state you want to be in? You want to think about your practice style. Are you interested in an urban setting, a rural setting? Do you like to practice independently? Do you like to practice with a group? Are you interested in hospital practice or private practice? And then you also need to think about your family. Uh, lots of family considerations. You have a spouse that needs to find uh, work as well, wherever you uh, move to. Is that spouse a physician? Sometimes they will give you a two-for-one deal. Do you have children to think about? And that is, you have to worry about school systems and whether there are resources for your children that you would like to have available for them. And then, of course, finances. Is it a, is the cost of living something that you can afford? You have student loans you're paying back, that kind of thing. And then your extracurricular activities. Believe it or not, this is very important. If you're a person who loves to ski, snow ski, then living on the beach is probably not going to be really exciting for you. If you love to surf, then living in Colorado is going to be really disappointing to you. So really do think about what the whole of your life and and what uh, curricular, extracurricular activities you enjoy. Now, in the process, you're going to start out with creating some documents. Um, You're going to need a curriculum vitae. You're going to need cover letter, reference list, a question list, things of that nature. You're going to want to identify your opportunities. This is all in preparation for getting the process started. You want to network with colleagues, mentors, professors, whomever you're coming in contact with, you know, through your residency, fellowship, that type of thing. You want to review ads, maybe look in specialty magazines, websites, that type of thing, search hospital websites or organizational websites. And then if, uh, if necessary, you can also work with a recruiter. There are physician recruiters that only do physician recruiting. And so they have a really good feel for who's looking for what and what a good placement would be. And then, of course, once you have all this together, you're submitting your CV participating in uh, phone or in-person interviews, you know, then start to narrow your options and do your site visits um, and make sure that throughout the process you're doing your homework so that you can compare and decide what is actually going to be the best fit for you. 
that's it in a nutshell. So now we're going to talk about those in a little more detail. So what is a CV? It is a brief biographical resume of your career and training. And it is prepared, you know, by you applying for a job. It's kind of the course of one's life career. It's different from a resume in that you provide more detail about more extracurricular things that you might not put on a resume. A resume really is more of just a listing of positions you've held and what those responsibilities and tasks were. It may be education and certifications. A curriculum vitae is more expansive than that. It'll include more details about your education. It'll include more details about any certifications, any publications you've done. Uh, if you've done volunteer work, you would want to include that. Anything that would be relevant to the position and a demonstration of the experience you have and what makes you a good fit for that position. It is a formal document, so you want to make sure that you are using, you know, good formatting and, you know, black ink and, you know, that kind of thing. I would avoid putting pictures and things like that on your CV. It really does need to be a very formal um, document, so you want to pay attention to that formatting. You want to include your contact information, education, professional experience, license and certifications, many professional memberships you have, awards, honors, and like I said, publications or any other type of volunteer work. And make sure you proofread. I would actually recommend that you have somebody else proofread the document for you because sometimes we tend to read over things thinking that we you know, put what we meant to put. And so you can miss things that way. So I would recommend that you have another person proofread for you. And then um, make sure you're also checking whatever website or advertisement, job advertisement you're looking at so that you can make sure you've included all that they've asked for and in the format they've requested. Now the length of the CV really depends upon the length of your life experience. You know, with a, a resume, we tend to talk about making it short, one or two pages. A CV is, is again, more inclusive than a resume, and it's ex the expectation is that it will be longer. So you want to make sure, again, that you're using a, a black type, 10 to 12 font, a Times New Roman, Arial, or Tahoma, maybe uh, Calibri, uh, if you're looking at fonts, nothing too bizarre or fancy. You want to offset the headings. Again, so that the formatting makes it easy to read and they can pull the pieces out easily when looking at it. You want to be consistent, again, about those dates and punctuation and the style, the writing style that you're using. Your contact information is generally at the top of the CV. You want to include your name, address, phone number, email, addresses. And then when you're putting your experience, your education, whatever, in order, you want to make sure that it's in reverse chronological order so that the most recent stuff is on the top of each heading or at the top of each heading. So that's with your education, your professional experience, any licenses and certifications, um, and again, the professional memberships, awards, and honors. So the most recent stuff, you want that to be higher up on the, on the list. Now, other information that you might want to include would be something like maybe you've had a gap in employment or in education. Let's say you went hitchhiking across Europe and uh, for a year. So make some reference to that. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a whole bunch of detail about it, but you do want to address any gaps that may exist. And if you have any miscellaneous qualifications that 
uh, would apply to the position, the specific position you are applying to. So in that, remember that your CV, although your professional experience, your education, those things are, are all the same regardless, there will be times that you want to edit that CV to really mesh a little bit better with a specific position you're applying for. And so there may be qualifications that you have that are that are well suited to one position over another and you would want to include those. Some optional information, you can put references on your CV or you can have a separate reference page that you would give separately when that is asked for. You can add a personal statement or profile. You know, if you have hobbies or interests that you think would be beneficial for you to mention, you can add those. You want to avoid anything that's you know, terribly controversial. You, know, you really don't want to put in religious affiliation or children's name, social security number, you know, uh, political affiliations, um, your, your salary history. Avoid using slang and again, don't put pictures on the, on the CV. That's generally not considered quite as professional or formal. Now you always want to attach a cover letter. It is, uh, again, another formal letter that you're going to be constructing. Uh, you want it to be brief and structured, uh, personalized to the person to whom you are speaking, to who your audience is, and you want it to be free-flowing. So this is not a rehashment of your CV. It's not a summary of your CV. It's more of uh, an explaining why. Why are you qualified for the position why are you interested in their organization? What makes you a good fit for their organization? And, and just a, a, an expression of appreciation for them taking the time to look at your resume or your CV. And again, make sure you proofread and have somebody else proofread. Can't say that enough. So when you're including things in your cover letter, you will want to address the recipient uh, directly. So take some time to find out the name of the person that's going to be receiving your CV and your cover letter, um, rather than to whom it may concern. You know, it's nicer to be able to address it, dear Dr. So-and-so, you know. You can write in first person. That's perfectly acceptable. You want to explain your current situation, you know, and share that you've got some information about them. You can include any, any little bullet points or nuggets of research you've done about their organization, just so that they know that you're really interested in the, the whole of the organization. And then in closing your, your cover letter, you want to make sure you express your interest and request further discussion and again, thank them for their time. All right, so your CV gets you the interview, but the interview gets you the job. So you're not done yet. So we're gonna talk about some interview guidance now. You wanna prepare for the interview anticipate questions, prepare questions of your own to ask, think about some accomplishments that you've had that you would like to share with them. And again, when you're talking, when you're, when you're thinking about the anticipated questions, you want to make sure that you don't sound like you're rehearsed, but that you're not caught off guard either. And you can go on, there are various resources on, on the web for interview questions. So all you have to do really is punch in interview questions in the, in the search engine and you'll have more information than you could possibly need. So just review a few of those and, and have some different kinds of answers and examples prepared ahead of time so you don't get caught off guard. You want to make sure in the interview that you're listening, that you're speaking slowly. It is easy to start speaking 
rapidly when we get nervous. So I promise you can't possibly talk too slow. You want to make sure that you have copies of your materials. You may have emailed or even snail mailed uh, a copy of your CD and cover letter, but bring one with you just in case, or a couple of copies in case you might be meeting with uh, more than one person. Make sure you have your calendar with your schedule so that if they want to schedule a follow-up interview that you are ready to schedule it right then and there. There's no worrying about having to call them back or, you know, let me touch base with you later. Right then and there, you can schedule it before you leave. And then have your reference list available should they ask for that. Some don'ts. Don't be too late. Don't be too early. Don't be late at all, actually. And don't be too terribly early. You don't want to look like a desperado or like you can't manage your time appropriately. Don't lie. And not that anybody necessarily goes into an interview with the intent upon lying. Again, it can just be very uh, uh, disconcerting if you have a question that catches you off guard. Just be careful about being truthful, open, and honest. Be uh, positive. You know, we've all had some not-so-great experiences in previous work situations or educational situations. And it's not that you can't communicate those situations, but do try to communicate them in a more positive frame rather than negatively. Don't bring up uh, sensitive topics, religion, politics, you know, race. Um, those are really, and any, any hot topics for that, in that time period you want to avoid. Do not ask about salary. If you have done your homework as you should in preparing for this interview, you should have a fairly good idea of what the salary will be. Uh, and don't feel pressured to take the first job offer, especially if you've got you know, a few interviews set up. Make sure that you go through all of those interviews and really explore all of your options. All right, so phone interviews. When you're setting a time for a phone interview, make sure that you're in the same time zone or that you've straightened out the time zone issue so that that is scheduled appropriately and you're not an hour late or an hour early for your interview. If you can, use a landline just because it's a little more secure and stable. If you must use a cell phone, um, which most of us do these days, make sure that you've got a really good connection and that you've got, uh, so you've got good cell service and make sure that your cell phone is charged and ready to go. You want to make sure that you're in a, a place where you can limit interruptions. So pick a space that is quiet and a time that you won't be interrupted. When you speak to the person on the phone, it's a good idea to write the name down so that you don't forget it. Especially if you've never seen this person in person, you've never met them, your, their name may not be solidified in your head. So write it down <clears throat> so that you can address them by name during the interview. Write a callback number down as well in case you get disconnected. And then have a glass of water handy in case your mouth gets dry and gets hard to speak. Now for video interviews, it requires a little bit more preparation, but it's really similar to the, the phone interview preparation in that you want to make sure that you've got your time zones done correctly and, and that type of thing. Now you've got the added uh, video component that you have to make sure that you've checked out. So you want to invest in a good webcam um, and microphone. Um, you want to pay attention to the clothing that you're wearing and the environment that you're in. Pay attention to what's behind you and and practice even go you know with with the lighting and 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 with the video and and remember that response length in, in video uh, conferencing can sometimes be delayed 
So, you know, there are many different platforms that we're using these days for video conferencing, Skype, FaceTime, there's Zoom meetings, all kinds of different platforms that are being used. So make sure that you've logged onto those sites, that you've downloaded whatever applications you need to download, and that you're comfortable using them and familiar with using them so that should something happen during the interview, if there's a technical difficulty, you'll, a you'll be able to navigate that. So you want to log into the website, make sure you've got your questions set up, and be ready to, to go before the interview starts. Now, you've made it through the phone interview, you've made it through the, uh, the, the Skype interview, and now it's time to um, meet everyone in person. So you're going for your in-person interview. 15 minutes early is good. You want to make sure that you're there um, so that nobody's waiting on you. If there's any materials that they have provided you in advance, make sure that you've read those and reviewed websites and, and whatever else. These are some of the things that you need to bring. Do not bring a person. Bring yourself. There may be a time following the, the first uh, in-person interview when it may be appropriate to bring along your spouse and, and whatnot. But for the very first time that you're meeting them in person, do come alone. Bring your CV, your reference list, and a prepared questions list. And you might want to bring a couple copies of your CV and reference list. If there may be a panel of people that you're meeting with, chances are they've had it printed out for them. But just in case, you want to make sure that it's available. You want to be professional, dress professionally, appropriate greetings, uh, eye contact, that type of thing. You're going to want to visit with the hiring physicians, hiring managers, and, and staff as well. You're interviewing the organization just as much as they're interviewing you. You want to know that you are compatible with the folks that you're going to be working with every day. You want to know that the morale in the organization is good and healthy so that, so that you're going to be in a good place when you join the, the group. Before you leave your interview, you want to establish a clear understanding of how the follow-up is going to occur and what you can expect. It is certainly okay to say, when do you expect to make a decision? Or, will you contact me or shall I contact you? Can you provide any in, in additional information or may I provide you with additional information? So there, there are things that you want to make sure that you've, you've clarified before you leave the interview. You definitely want to know what that next step is. And then follow up with a handwritten thank you note. You can follow up with a thank you email, but if you really want to stand out from the crowd, send them a handwritten thank you note. That doesn't happen as much these days, and you will definitely be remembered and appreciated. All right, let's talk about some sample questions you might want to ask during the interview. You might want to ask if there are enough patients um, coming to the practice to support um, another physician entering the practice. How many new patients does the practice attract each year? What is the process for allocating patients to new physicians? You want to make sure that if you are going to be new on in a panel of 15 physicians, that you're going to get a, a fair chance of adding patients to your panel as much as anybody else would. Is there a marketing plan for new physicians? How does that work? Will you have dedicated support staff? Will you have the ability to hire your staff and interview your staff or does somebody else do that for you? Is there time that's going to be blocked for surgeries and or procedures and things of that nature? So you just want to make sure that you've asked all those questions and you have those available to you. 
There's some helpful resources that you can potentially um, use if necessary. TMA has a wide range of, of resources available to you. You can go to for information and you're always welcome to call us. And I would also encourage you to really, do, again, doing your research, you want to make sure that you've done some research on the demographics so you know a little bit about the layout of the city and the types of patients and patient panel you might be seeing and the compensation data that's, that's appropriate for the area, that type of thing. All of those websites are very good for that. I want to thank you for your time and attention and good luck to you in your job search and your interviewing. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you and ask that you like and follow for future episodes. Until then, stay well.